Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me. A Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there, where your two old bloggers been commenting publicly on your Minnesota Vikings for over two decades apiece. It's been a long while. Welcome back to another episode of Two Old Bloggers. In today's episode, we dive into some fascinating topics. First, we discuss the potential impact of Dalton Reisner joining the Vikings and whether he can save a struggling interior offensive line. We analyze uh, his performance and compare it to Ezra Cleveland and Ed Ingram. Looking at the PFF grades and overall contributions, Will Riser be the missing piece the Vikings need to improve their run game? We'll find out. Next, we're going to move on to the quick hitters, where we touch on various subjects related to the Vikings. We discuss the recent trade for Cam Akers, the blitzing strategies employed by defensive coordinator Brian Flores, and the promising performances of rookie Jordan Addison and linebacker Ivan Pace Jr., We examine the potential impact of these players have and can have on a team moving forward. And lastly, not to forget, we preview the upcoming game between the Vikings and the Chargers. Both teams are 0-2, and history tells us that the loser of this game will face an uphill battle to make the playoffs. It's going to be rough. We analyze the strengths and weaknesses of both teams, focusing on the absence of Austin Eckler for the Chargers and the importance that the Vikings' defensive approach against Justin Herbert is the right one. Can the Vikings secure their first win of the season? 
We're going to find out. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Two Old Bloggers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. And we're back. It's Dave here, Darren over there. How are things in the great white north, Darren? Woke up this morning to a uh, <clears throat> apocalyptic-looking uh, sky, kind of orangey-brown, sort of like Mars. Um, yeah, so not a great morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming so, it's due all to the smoke. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, yeah. So, um, been a, like, it was uh, 9 a.m., and it still felt like it was 5 a.m., like it was that dark. Well, really, really spooky-looking. But... Um, other than that, everything's good. Getting ready for tomorrow's game. Looking forward to a win, hopefully. Looking forward to talking Vikings football here on Two Old Bloggers. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of weird orange skies, I remember a couple trips up to Kabari Crossing. Kabari Crossing was on the highway of death coming out of Kuwait into Iraq, and it was the border crossing from Kuwait into Iraq. And the dust was blowing, and the sun was out, and the whole atmosphere was orange. It was weird. Hmm. Now, let's go on to our first topic as we start. (laughs) Dalton Reisner, you titled it. Is he our savior? <laughs> well, last week we were saying, can the Vikings save their season? And then uh, now we're talking about, can Dalton Reisner save the the Vikings? <laughs> Offensive line, Norfolk there, got five nope. bucks. Yeah, Norfolk, thanks for the super chat, buddy. Appreciate it. Anthony Tolleson said, hi, thanks for tuning in, Anthony, and everybody else. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> The Vikings fans wanted it. They asked for it. And this week, uh, they finally got it with Dalton Reisner signing with the Vikes. Uh, Finally, uh, we knew that the Vikings brought him in, of course, August 1st, I think it was. Didn't sign him then. Um, And I think that that was considered a bit of a mistake by Viking fans. Uh, A lot of Viking fans that watched the team closely because they had a lot of concerns during training camp and the off season heading into the season with our particularly our interior offensive line. Don't think there's any worries about the tackles, Brian O'Neill, Christian Jarrasaw, they got those things locked that locked down, mm-hmm. but, but the interior, uh, a lot of concerns, particularly with Ed Ingram. So when the Vikings didn't sign him, they brought him in, they had him for a look, see Kevin O'Connell kind of indicated that maybe Reisner wasn't quite healthy yet. And that that was had in you know that was a reason for maybe why they didn't make the decision, but uh, you know they after two games and the struggles that particularly the inter- interiors had with run blocking and pass blocking too, and finally Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Dofamensa they said decided they had enough. We got to make a move. Reisner's the best guy out there. Let's get him in, and they got him in for like a pretty reasonable amount of money, you know, one million. Uh, sorry, one year, four million uh, in, in total. I think only two point five of that is guaranteed. So pretty reasonable for a guy who started 
you know, his, his entire first four years of the NFL career. Uh, and, and, you know, I think it's, it's a good pickup for the, for the Vikings, something that probably they should have done, you know, a month mm-hmm. and a half ago. Um, it's 2.25 guaranteed. Okay. Extra uh, 250,000. That isn't to play around with. Yes. But 4 million is low end starter money. Mm-hmm. Just for those that are curious, that's about what you'd pay for a low end starter. So it's interesting. They brought him in. He's all excited about moving here, he and his wife. And we were like, wait a minute, it's just a one year deal. Why would you do that? Wonder if there's something behind this contract right. if he if he performs. Yeah, he's got to perform first and show that he's worthwhile staying here long term. But um, first off, Ken Reisner, uh, is he an upgrade over the guards that we have, Ed Ingram and Ezra Cleveland? Um, he sure is when it comes to Ed Ingram. Uh, in Ed Ingram's like short 19-game NFL career, he's been you know, one of the worst right guards in football. Um, his PFF grade last year was 57, which is very poor and actually was a little bit higher than I thought this year. It's a, I think around 49 and through two games, he's really, really struggled with pass protection. And that's something Reisner is, is, is uh, pretty strong at. Um, so, you know, Reisner's grades uh, didn't have a great PFF grade last year. It was 61.1 or something. It's been as high as, I think, uh, 68 uh, in his career, and that was 2020. Uh, and a guy who's who's a better, by PFF grades, he's a better pass blocker than a run blocker. But, um, you know, Ed Ingram, clearly an upgrade over, over Ed Ingram. Ezra Cleveland, meh, that's a bit more of a debatable, if you believe the PFF grades, Dave, Ezra's um, grade in his first year as rookie year in 2020 was, I think it was around uh, 66 uh, or so, uh, moved up to about 68. Last year got over 70, which is pretty good. So he's shown in his three years with the Vikings that that he's gradually improved his play a bit. Not huge leaps, but a little bit of improvement. A little bit. Little bits here and there. This year his grade is is lower. It's around 63. But again, only two games, but still – uh, your Reisner is a guy who certainly compared to what we have on the interior right now, he's a welcome addition. Now the question is, who do you, he's a left guard. We know Ezra Cleveland's a left guard. Uh, so what are the Vikings going to do? Like Aaron was talking about, what's his role? Is he, if you're just looking at performance, it's pretty obvious that if you want to move, get rid of, or if you want to replace one starter with Reisner, then Ed Ingram is the guy that should be doing it. But Ed Ingram is the right guard. So what are the Vikings going to do? Are they going to move Reisner, bench Ingram and move Reisner over to right guard? Or do they move Ezra to right guard where he's played at least one game in the pro pros in the NFL at right guard? And do you leave Reisner over in left guard where he's played his whole time in the NFL? Um, you know, that's the question. Or, you know, maybe the Vikings, who knows? Maybe they're looking at, they're going to bench Cleveland, which would be a mistake to me, and keep Ingram in there. Like, uh, we don't know. We didn't, we didn't get any indication from Kevin O'Connell this week on what, how that's all going to shake out. No, he was... Uh, purposely elusive on his response on that 
Yes, and he's going to be. But uh, there's going to be a shakeup here. Reisner, like you said, marginal starting money, but the Vikings didn't pay him even that, considering what how sl- slim margins they've had on their salary cap the whole offseason. They aren't paying him that just to come in and I think be a depth guy or compete for a starting job. Uh, I think, you know, it's just he's going to be starting. It's just a matter of when. And unfortunately, because of when the Vikings have signed him just now, it sounds like he ain't going to play tomorrow. I don't know if he's going to be playing next week against Carolina. So it's like, it, it's tough. Last year, the Vikings got TJ Hawkinson, of course, started right away, uh, you know, had a great first game. A little bit different situation, though, because TJ had been in training camp the whole time. He'd had seven he, games. He under had his been goal. playing all season. Mm-hmm. He'd been playing all season, been in training camp. So he was in game shape. He was ready. He was football ready. Reisner hasn't been doing any of that. And so how long is it going to take him to get up to speed, get in game shape, be able to handle banging around with guys, big guys. And, and then there's the whole playbook thing too, where he's got to, you know, it's one thing to be, I think again, Dave, I'd like to get your thoughts on this, but compared to a tight end or wide receiver, like how much more difficult is it for a, an offensive lineman to pick up the playbook and, and really gel because he's got five, four other guys he's got to move in sync with and, 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 you know, handle those combinations and pick up pass protections and pass off stuff and all those little subtle things that offensive linemen have to do. Uh, I think that maybe, maybe it's not any tougher, but I think it might be a little bit tougher for him to, to gel with the, the other four starters. And that's going to take longer than if, than TJ Hawkinson just going into the, the, the Vikings offense and running his roots. It's it normally does take time. I mean, we talk about them, the offensive line getting up to speed anyways, during off season training camp. And then, the you know, first few games, they're always out of sort of out of whack. You bring in somebody brand new. That's to new to the system. The only benefit he has is the defensive or the offensive line coach. Cooper, he's yeah. worked with him before, so Cooper can translate. It is different language. The systems they run, it is different language, which brings me to Aaron's question. He said, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't we do better running the zone blocking scheme? Is this a factor that we've never run this bad? Aaron, that's possible. That is quite possible. Before... O'Connell came, we ran the outside zone, which is Kubiak. That's what he loves to do. Blocking rules are different for the different types of zone running. You have outside zone, you have mid zone or or inside zone, which Kevin O'Connell brought over with a hybrid of two gapping it or gap blocking. And then you have a power game. Power games, man on man. Mano y mano. The rules are relatively simple. If the guy's on top of you or outside or whatever the blocking scheme is for that, you're hitting that guy. You beat that guy. Zone blocking is different because you're constantly, you're moving to pick a zone like a cone. If anybody comes in that cone, you hit them. It could be a lineman. It could be a linebacker. It could be whoever. It is what it is. Now, that's on an outside zone. On an inside zone, it's, it's it's sort of a mix, but it's which side you put your head on on the defender. It switches from an outside zone to an inside zone. It may be you want to come across their face 
and plant your head or aim for his outside shoulder. And now maybe, no, you take on his inside shoulder and you try to turn him on the other direction. That's sort of quasi the difference. Now, to learn that on the fly, just coming in, he's going to have a hard time. Can he? Yeah. I, I don't doubt that. He's a professional football player. He should be able to do that. Don't be so sure he's ruled out for some playing time this Sunday because he might go in there. Now, I do like that Skull for Life says he's been seen practicing at tackles, at the tackle spots. Is he just a high-priced backup? Possibly. He probably will be this weekend. But he could probably play all five positions. He played center and um, tackle in college. As we all know, there's a picture of him as center. And Austin Schlotman isn't the greatest center in the world. And if Bradbury's out for a long time, we might see him at center. I know people don't like to hear that, but we might. Gary, thank you so much. Appreciate the four ninety nine. You rock there, brother. Will he get there? I don't know. But, I mean, Austin Slotman had a good, you know, when he came in, he was all right. He wasn't great, but he was all right. I just want the five best guys. Justin puts it pretty well. Five best guys. Now, the question is, how much moving do you want to do to get the five best guys out there? And how soon will it will it happen? I don't know, but we might see him get some snaps this weekend or tomorrow. I It's... it's I have no idea. I, just none. But yeah. Uh, the, I think with Reisner and, and the whole thing, like the, the, the intro, like the, the, the title of this theme was, can he save the offensive line? And no, he cannot. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, I think there's too much going wrong, particularly on the interior. Um, uh, that, that, and Reisner is not an all pro. Uh, like, mm-hmm. this isn't Randall McDaniel or Ed White that we're bringing in here. This is Dalton Reisner, a solid pro who said, you know, um, good PFF grades. And we're using PFF grades because they're the ones that have the grades that they're the only ones to do the linemen like that. That's available so, to us. But uh, but he's not going to save it on, on the, all by himself. But if you can get, a, you know, pretty obvious that if you can get a guy in there who's better than one of the other guys you've got there, that's going to help your offensive line to, to some degree is, is it, I don't, you know, I don't, and I don't think that it's going to turn the running game, the run blocking around himself. Uh, Like that really has to be a collective of five guys. Everybody on that offensive line has to play better than they've been playing. It's also going to help. I think this week that Christian Derrissaw is back and, and not out and we don't have, uh, and Quesenberry playing in there because again, if if the Vikings, and that'll maybe allow them to run more of that outside zone kind of wide stuff. Uh, whereas in, on the interior, we've been having no success at all in the running game. Uh, but Reisner will help whenever he gets in there. Uh, it'll help a little bit that if Bradbury can get back and get healthy. But you know, back's always a worrisome thing. I think the whole thing with uh, uh, like the one and thing that I wonder, and, and we'll get to it, but Bradbury's questionable going in and yes. into tomorrow. Uh, into tomorrow, yes. I think with with Reisner, the 
like uh, the fact that Kwesi Dofamensa and Kevin O'Connell brought him in two games after they had already had him in for a book. And then I think that, you know, they drafted Ed Ingram in the second round. They thought pretty highly of him. Uh, they're not going to give up on him right away, even after rough start in his rookie year. But everybody knew that there was no secret that he was terrible last year and didn't look very good. And so you hope that the Vikings, like where did, particularly with Ed Ingram, where did Kwesi Dofamens and Kevin Carl, what were they basing their decision on not signing Reisner on and, and sticking with Ed Ingram? Was it like, what were they seeing in training camp and OTAs that indicated to them that Ed Ingram had was improving, that he was taking a step up in his play and was not going to be the same guy he was as, as a rookie? Did they see something or were they just kind of hoping with their belief and with their belief in their scouting that he could take that next step? I think they they took a you know calculated gamble there. And so far, it is a gamble that has not paid off. And now, two games into the season, you're 0-2. Your run blocking has been horrendous, particularly on the inside. And now they're signing Reisner. And I think that opens them up to a lot of second guessing and questions about, you guys knew this was a problem. You didn't do anything about it until... Now you're in crisis mode and you're trying to do something about it. Why didn't you do it beforehand? And well, it may not be the why may not be Ingram. The why may be Reisner. Yeah. He could have there's rumors that he got hurt in the offseason doing something. And he wasn't healed when he came in August. He wasn't a hundred percent. And they're like, no, you're not gonna pass physical. And it took this long before he could pass physical. I don't know if that's the case or not. That's just scuttlebutt that I've heard, but it could be on him. Now, could be. He was nobody else's signed him either. Right. And, yep. And that's just it. You know, two plus weeks and nobody else signed him. Now, did he want too much money? Norris Fias, thank you so much again. Uh, Bring back Dennis Sweely. Yeah, I'd like that too. Um, I don't know. I'd, I want Ed Ingram to take a step up. He has the power to do such. I would like to see him develop into a good starting offensive guard in the league. Is Reisner a good starting offensive guard? Well, he's... There's not much difference other than Reisner's skills reside on the pass-blocking side, whereas Ed's were better at run-blocking. Ed's got power. Ed, you see beautiful plays from him, right? Beating Jalen Carter last week. And then you see the next play, and he gets absolutely run around. And you go, are these the same people? Yeah, yeah. And I don't, literally, I don't know. I, I wish I wish I was a fly in the wall in the offensive line room and could tell. I do think coaching has a bit to play with it. I still don't think we have the best coaches in the world on the offensive line. I didn't think that with Zimmer, and I don't think that's the case with O'Connell. Um, we'll find yeah. out. We'll find out, and I think that the... <clears throat> Just to 
beyond the, the, the the issues we've had on the offensive line, and I keep on saying, particularly on the interior, I think that because that's where the problems are. Also, the problem is that Darisaw missed a game and c- couldn't play against a very good defensive uh, front in Philly. But um, yeah, you know, they brought in Reisner. Um, I think that what we keep on seeing this year after year. I think I remember Mike Zimmer once said, it, maybe it was after the 2016 or 2018 season or something, the offensive line was crap in the bed. And he's like, we're going to get this fixed. And they never did fix it they under Zimmer. Did. And they're still not fixing it. Now we put in resources on it, particularly drafting, drafting high guys. It's worked on the tackles. But the Vikings, I think, Kwesi Dofamensa and Kevin O'Connell, they have to look at, they've got to revamp the interior next off season. They've got to, to do something, whether it's maybe Reisner shows that he's a long-term solution at guard, either left or right guard. We'll see. Could be, but maybe and but he and he comes have from, to look at the agency again. Maybe they, maybe they need to sign a, a high-priced guard or even a center. Even though they just signed Gare Bradbury to a an extension, but if his back is is not allowing him to play or he doesn't play the way you're expecting, then maybe you got to eat the money that you spent on him, even though it wasn't a huge contract. And then maybe they got to look again. I think they do have to look again at the draft, picking somebody in the first or second day on the interior, getting players that are better than what we have now and not just settling for, well, he's all right or he's good enough. We need guys and you need to find a guy on the interior, whether it's a center or a guard, who's going to be a cornerstone anchor like Christian Derrissaw is and like Brian O'Neill is. And they just haven't been able to do it. And it doesn't look like they, it's going to happen this year. So next year, However this season goes, the interior of the offensive line has to be a focus for the Vikings front office on how to get a guy that's as good as Darisaw and O'Neal that you have at tackles, somebody of that caliber on the inside. Because we, <laughs> it's just been year after year after year, the same, same shit happening, on the, particularly on the interior, and we never fix it. Well, that's, I don't disagree. Now, bringing Reisner in, he's an outside zone guy. Bradbury's an outside zone guy. Engro or Ezra was trained as an outside zone guy. Ed is the only one that wasn't an outside zone guy. So I'd like for him, if they're going to settle on a hybrid style of blocking, have the have the O line coach be capable of doing that and then tailor Tailor that around the blocking abilities of the linemen that you have right now. That should be first priority. Tailor the blocking scheme around who you have right now. That's the best way you're going to get the maximum out of it. My worthless opinion. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate. We all appreciate the $5. Very, very much. I hopefully will soon... Way the super chats are going, in my worthless opinion. I saw your remark earlier. Have enough money between all of us over here at Vikings First and Skull to buy a bottle of that Texas whiskey I like so much. Hopefully, by the time I can drink it, <laughs> which is not now, which is not now. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's about two and a half weeks from now. Damn it. Anyways. But time will fly by, Dave. That time, will fly. yeah, I'm sure it will. I'm going to need it tomorrow, though, and I won't have it. There's, 
but th- that's what they got to do. They got to maximize the blocking scheme to who they have, the personnel they have. That's going to be the best way to get the most out of these guys, period. And I would like to see it. I wanted to see that under Zimmer. I wanted to see it under. And the, the Kubiak offenses ran pretty well. Um, produced Kirk's best seasons. This offense under KOC ran well. Last year, I would consider not statistically Kirk's best season, but obviously mentally his best season. And, and it's his best season by win record. I want to see all that come together. And that's that's a coaching thing. They've got to figure that out. Because you only go to battle with who you've got, period. That, it's that simple. We don't have the money to go out and buy somebody off another team. And no other team's going to give them up because there's a shortage across the league. We again came out this week. Our offensive line ranked 10th in the league. Two weeks in a row. <laughs> So that should tell you, now, we've seen some good teams with great offensive lines, right? Or very, very good offensive lines, and we know who they are. But that should tell you how offensive line play is in dire need across the entire league. And so our guys guys need to step up. Yep, 10th. Um. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Gary. I appreciate the whiskey fund. Yes. Um, no, it's just, I don't know. Um, Anthony, we'll get to that in the third theme. <laughs> so uh, it's, it is what it is. Well, that moves us on to theme two. Quick hitters. Yeah, there's been it's been a pretty busy week news-wise for the Vikings. So I wanted to there's a number of things I wanted to touch on and didn't have time to have 20 themes in the show, or else we'd be here five hours. Uh, so um, nobody's gonna stick around that long and listen to me talk for five hours about anything. Uh, so just wanted to get at some stuff quickly and um and just touch on, on some of the some of those things that I noticed, and and the first one is again busy week transaction wise. Reisner gets gets signed, and then the Vikings then made made a trade. They traded mm-hmm. for disgruntled Los Angeles Rams running back Cam Akers. Um, so they got Cam Akers. They got him for practically nothing, and depending on how he produces, it will be for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> total yards uh that means he won't but he, he's like uh, yeah the 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 draft pick thing david you know that, that doesn't happen we just i think we can get him for nothing like really nothing of course in that well, case if he doesn't meet those yardage standards it means he will have done nothing for us also so right and it's, uh, and it's a combined 500 yards from scrimmage is what he's got to meet for it to be yeah. a 2020 2026 sixth from us to us and a, get a seventh round back. Otherwise, there's no swapping picks. And 2026, if you're curious, is the absolute furthest they can go out legally in the NFL. Yeah, we're getting getting kind of like the NBA trades where they're trading first round draft picks in like 2030. Uh, <laughs> now getting that, but uh, we got Cam Akers. Um, good move, bad move for the, for the Vikings. I think. Uh, when you look at again the compensation, which is very little, 
Um, I think I think the the risk is is you know which is very 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 little is worth the reward. Um, when Acres coming out of Florida State, you know he was really really highly thought of. Um, he looked like he was going to be a really good pro his rookie year. Then he, of course he tears his Achilles, uh, sits out a good portion of the year. Did manage to come back, um, played and was a part of the Rams Super Bowl team. But it, it, that Achilles, I think talking to some people who've watched him for a while, uh, they say that he's not, that seems to have robbed him of a little bit of explosiveness. Not surprising because it's a really major, major injury for uh, a skill player in football to have your Any football your, player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's that. But having said that, last year he ran for well over 700, I think 780 yards, uh, 4.2 yards per carry, only 180 carries, his PFF grade was 81.1, I believe, which is excellent for a running back. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he did well there. But, you know, he was a bit of a problem child with L.A. and Sean McVay in his last year or two. The Rams, last year, he he was wanted to get traded, made a trade request. They sat him out and he didn't play for three games. They brought him back late in the year. Uh, and um, so... You know, then they reportedly tried to trade him last year to give him a fresh start. Didn't work, but they did trade him this time. And like, and he had a, his first game of the year. He was the starter for the Rams. He had a very Vikings 20, 2023 running back stat where he had twenty two carries, twenty nine yards. Yeah. <laughs> and then last, he he was uh, you know he was no longer the starter, and that led to all of this. So, but I think. You know, the previous year, last year, he finished the year with 300-yard games at the end of the season. So even with the Achilles tear, like this guy's got some juice, and I think that he can help. I don't know what his role is going to be. It sounds like uh, Kevin O'Connell was kind of like tamping down the, the, the enthusiasm and making it sound like Akers may not even dress tomorrow. I think that's what I got of the presser. But that's I, what I, I got. That he, yeah. So we don't, maybe he won't be in there, but he'll certainly be part of the running back committee after this week. And I'm pretty sure that Ty Chandler will no longer be the number two guy in a week's time. Uh, And we'll see if he supplants Alexander Madison, depending on how things go there. But Cam Akers, nice, you know, a nice pickup. We didn't give up anything for him, but I'm not expecting a lot out of him until the offensive line starts run blocking better. And that is where, that is where the Vikings running game that's where it's going to take a going to go from terrible to respectable or tolerable. Um, and Cam Akers, it, like he's not going to he's not here to block. <laughs> right. He's here to run the ball and catch the ball, and he needs holes to run through. And we have seen uh, there was a stat that went around where you know Vikings running backs, you know, everybody's on Alexander Madison right now. A lot, not everybody, but a lot of people are like, yeah, this guy's terrible. Why did we get rid of Cook? He can't do the job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Look at his stats. But there was a stat that he is getting yards per, like uh, his yards uh, before contact is 0.95 yards right now. Um, the league average is two. So he is getting met by tacklers of multiple tacklers much earlier than most running backs in the NFL are. You can only break so many tackles, Dave. You need mm-hmm. holes to run through, and I'm not seeing very many of them for Alexander Madison or Ty Chandler or anybody else to run through right now. And Cam Akers is going to face the same thing th- thing when he actually gets uh, to play and gets, and gets on the field. So, um, 
like the move uh, or don't mind the move. But I think, again, until the offensive line gets its act together on the run blocking, his impact on the on our offense is going to be minimal, as it will all of our running backs. If you had 2012 Adrian Peterson in our lineup right now, <laughs> that may matter. be different with primetime Adrian Peterson, but that was because he was a beast. Know. But you're you're still you've got to open up some holes. Yes, you do, and uh, we have, there have not been many opened up so far. Mm-hmm. So you know we get, but the, the trade was made, and the, and it does help the depth a little bit. It does make me wonder a bit about Kenny Wongwu, and. The fact that if they brought Akers in, like, does this mean Wang Wu is not coming back anytime soon or at all this season? Um, I'm to trying me. to remember what the corresponding move was. Yeah, um, they. Uh, oh, I, it was Naylor to IR. Yeah, yeah to IR. But uh, I was wondering if it was, well, Nwangu's on there already. Yeah. And. Uh, but, but it didn't. There was this made this move made me think it's not just a worried about a running game in general move, but also Kenny is not going to be coming back. So we've got somebody who can, you know, when, who can bring in and, and enhance the depth in the running back room um, with because Kenny is not coming back for a while. That's just one thing that I thought of when we got Acres. But uh, but anyway, um, we got him, and we'll see what kind of impact he's going to have, if any. A lot of that's going to be dependent on what our offensive line does as far as open up even tiny creases for these guys as opposed to what they've mm-hmm. been doing lately. There's been nothing. Yep, I agree. I agree. Well, we'll find out. Your next short quick hitter is on this man. This man and his defensive philosophy. When he got hired as defensive coordinator, Everybody, I think a lot of Viking fans, you and me both, hooray, damn it. We got rid of Donatel, Donachelle, and we got a guy who's going to be aggressive and and do something completely different on defense for the Vikings, and we need that. And uh, what we, uh, Bill Barnwell from ESPN wrote a little story about uh, teams that are going to and what their chances were of turning the season around. And he had a little interesting nugget in there about Flores, of course, we expected there'd be a lot of blitzing with Flores as the defensive coordinator, and that has turned out to be the case. On uh, opposing teams' drop dropbacks so far in two games, he's blitzed 49% of the time on that. Last year, under Ed Donatel, on opposing um, dropbacks, opposing team dropbacks, we only blitzed 22% of the time. So a huge, huge difference there mm-hmm. with Flores expected. And that's a lot, even when you look at the whole league, uh, because last year the Giants were the only one on opponents' dropbacks who uh, drop uh, who blitz more than thirty-seven percent of the time on those dropbacks. Right. So Brian Flores, as expected, has been bringing the heat um, with with blitzes. Uh, to me, that's been a welcome change from Ed Donatel. Uh, it's pleasing to the eye to me. I prefer my defenses to dictate pace uh, of the game and, and, and you know, do aggressive. things on, yeah, and be aggressive and do things on the, their terms as opposed to sitting back and letting the offense do things on their pace and their terms. So that's good. The only thing about it is, is that uh, so far through two games, it hasn't been uh, at least 
if you look at passing stats of Baker Mayfield and Jalen Hurts, it hasn't worked all that well. Mayfield and Jalen Hurts are 19 for 28 for 235 yards on dropbacks where the Vikings have blitzed. So it's not like we're holding them under 40% passing and, and all that sort of stuff. Having said that, uh, and those stats, I and I, to me, Flores is keep on, keep on, keeping on what you're doing, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like uh, it may not have worked the first two games, but I think eventually it, it, it is going to work. And even so, there's you know, I. I played a lot of hockey when I was a kid because I'm Canadian, of course, and and then coached basketball. As well. I would have never guessed. Never guessed, yeah. Um, but uh, when you you listen to coaches talk about defensive defense in hockey or defense in basketball, they talk a lot about how you want the defense to take away time and space from the offensive player in those sports. I meaning uh, whether it's the guy who has the puck or the guy that has the ball in his hands in basketball. And I think the same thing applies when you're going after a quarterback throwing the ball. You want to take away the time they have to throw and the space they have to throw so they can't step into their throws and use the nice arm motion that will make that ball go up crisply and mm-hmm. throw a dart somewhere to a wide receiver. And that is what blitzing should accomplish uh, for you. And that is, and again, I like my defenses to dictate the pace and the style of play. I want them giving opposing quarterbacks a lot to think about at the line of scrimmage and opposing quarterbacks to wonder where is Flores sending guys and where are they coming from and who is, 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 are they sending at me? So even though it hasn't worked in two games, I think they still got to go with this philosophy and I and Brian Flores has shown that throughout his career that he's going to bring the heat. I don't think this is going to change, and I don't think it should change, even if the results haven't been what maybe we would like them to be in the first two games. Mm-hmm. Got to stick with it. If that's your philosophy, and it is, stick with it. Uh, the team will get better at it, uh, and uh, we'll get some of that success that we've been looking for. I think also we've been low with the blitzing. We've the percentage of sacks we've been getting has been lower than normal. I think we're getting, we've gotten uh, 5.8% of the time we've been getting a sack on the amount of times we have blitzes, whereas the league average is around eight. Not a big difference, but it's just, again, another little stat that shows you. It is enough, and part of that could be Davenport not being in there. And again, as you said many times before, Dave, sacks aren't the whole, don't tell the whole story. Um, Pressures are just as important as sacks a lot of times, too, Mm -hmm. on your Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And playing this style, I think, will do well against the Chargers tomorrow. That brings us to the next quick hitter, the guys that are doing good. We're sitting here slamming everybody week after week. (laughs) They suck. Why did they do that? Why can't they be better? Why didn't we sign this guy? Why didn't we sign that guy? And for the person who asked, I think it was Roscoe, why didn't we sign Tomlinson? We got priced out of it. He just got paid us boatload ton more so we didn't have the money at the time simple as that but but yes the um i I felt last week that i was our themes were very like not very positive about the vikings and again we're owing two so what's there to really brag about but there are some good things happening i wanted to talk individually as well and i wanted to talk about those and one of them is jordan addison Last week, I was complaining about Kwesi Dovamensa's drafting. Um, but Jordan Addison 
has been a bright spot for this team. Um, you know, the stats aren't eye-popping, seven catches, but 133 yards on those seven catches. He's averaging 19 yards per catch. He's got two long touchdown passes uh, on those seven catches that he's had, and he's only been targeted 11 times. Uh, his stats are looking, are very, they match up very well with most of the the wide, the three wide receivers that have been, were drafted before him. Um, you know, that again. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> Jackson Smith in Jigba has got uh, seven catches, but only for 45 yards right now. Um, Quentin Johnson, the big six foot four, 220 pound guy from TCU uh, that the Chargers uh, picked, and he'll be playing against us tomorrow. He's only got two catches right now for, I think, nine yards or 16 yards, something like that. He hasn't been much of a factor at all. Zay Flowers with the Ravens, he's done really well. He's got 13 catches uh, for well over 100 yards. Uh, but none of those guys have any touchdown catches either. Um, Flowers has been targeted 15 times, so four, four more than Addison. Um, so the, Addison's numbers, you know, he's been explosive with, had some big explosive plays with the, sh- the few amount of targets he's had. He looks like he belongs. He looks like he's a guy that's going to be a very, very good pro and a very, very good player for us for a long time. Um, and so wanted to recognize that. Don't have any grades for him, but I think that his role in the offense is going to, continue to grow maybe at the expense of kj osborne uh and we also got to remember that some of those lack of targets have become because we've been our offense has lost the ball on turnovers a lot uh with we've had you know seven fumbles one that got taken Mm -hmm. uh wasn't accepted because of a penalty but six fumbles uh, and one of them was a punt return but those are offensive plays snaps that are being taken away from the vikings offense because we fumbled the ball and lost it and those are potential targets that jordan addison has not had um as a result Uh, so as the season goes on uh, i think his numbers are going to continue to grow his role is going to continue to grow he's not uh um the the uh, he hasn't he hasn't got the role that the Rams rookie Nakua has so far, but they've Nakua the Rams don't really have anybody else to throw the ball to <laughs> over there. You know Jordan Addison's playing with T.J. Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson, and those guys are going to get a lot of targets their way, uh, and and that are going to take no some away from what? Mm-hmm. no matter what. Um, but <clears throat> I wanted to recognize Jordan Addison because I think that he's been a real bright spot, and he's done exactly. Uh, what I thought he was going to do when we drafted him. And that was step in, be a pro and do a really good job and, and can, and be, uh, I think a cornerstone player for us in the future. As long as he keeps his nose clean and doesn't do 140 miles an hour down I-94, we're all be fine. And he may have learned his lesson from that, but he's on the field. He's, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Worried about it being too small, but he's dealing with it so far. Hey, just don't get hit. (laughs) Yeah, that works. It's one of those things. The next guy you wanted to talk about was the man that took over the number 40, Ivan Pace Jr. Yes, and Ivan Pace Jr. Didn't get drafted, but uh, is a rookie nonetheless, so... uh, you know, Quasi Dofimensa got a very nice um, pickup here in Ivan Pace Jr. And another guy who's, I think that uh, everybody, I think, has been, I haven't seen a Vikings fan yet who's been displeased with how he's played. Uh, but the, if, you, if you think that he's, if the eye test, if you think that he's played really well, all you got to do, PFF grades also agree that he's been very, very good mm-hmm. in the first 
ball. He's got a PFF grade well over 80 right now. He's the fourth highest ranked rookie by their grades in the NFL right now. And, um, and his pass and his pass rush grades are like ninety one point nine, I think, for by PFF, which is super duper good. Um, so he has been, you know, he didn't know exactly if his college career would carry over in the NFL, but and even in preseason, you're kind of wondering, well, you know, he's not playing against starters, right. but. In the two games he is now playing against starters, he's played 74% of the defensive snaps. So Brian Flores trusts him and thinks he's a guy that he needs to have out there on the defense all the time. And you know, I just continually be, I, he's undersized. The Vikings are going to have to, and you saw that impacted him a bit in the Philly game. He kind of got washed or washed out on blocks, got run over a little bit. And that was one of the reasons he didn't get drafted was, was because of his side. Probably the main reason he didn't get drafted is because of his size. But I think all the other things he does well, just the way he kind of slithers and gets through, you know, hit spaces quickly, the way he can change direction co- so quickly, mm-hmm. his like hunger and his drive to make a tackle and not give up on a play. And man, for a guy who's, now I know like 230 pounds for somebody my size is a big guy, but in the NFL, it's not that big. There's safeties that are that big, but man, Dave, I don't know. I'm sure you feel the same way, but the, the, the power and the, 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 the lead, the pump that this guy gets when he knocks guys who are way bigger than him, like off of blocks. And it's just like, I don't know how he does it, but some people just have that little extra that whether it's their center of gravity or whatever the hell it is, Ivan Pace can knock you on your ass, even if you're 200 pounds heavier than he is. Mm-hmm. And it's just so impressive to watch him play and so fun to watch him play, even when he's making some mistakes. And if he can improve his pass coverage a little bit, it's probably never going to be like a big strength of his, but if, as he, and I think he will, as he gets more acclimated to the NFL game, um, and, you know, there's probably some techniques, things that he can clean up too. But I, I think that he's going to be a major, uh, again, I think he's going to be a major uh, cornerstone on the Vikings defense for the next four to five years or longer. And I just look forward to watch, look forward to watching him on the field every snap. He's just a guy that I can't take my eyes off of because of the things that he can do. And and uh, looking forward to him getting better and better as the season goes on and as his Vikings career goes on. And I just very, very happy that we got this guy and signed him as an undrafted free agent and didn't let somebody else. Well, Pace kind of picked us too, but uh, he had his choice, Mm -hmm. but I'm just very, very glad we were able to get this guy signed and on our team because he is an asset now and he's going to continue to be. Yeah. And North Fia says uh, that Davenport should give up his zero number for him because of course that's what he wore through college i agree because the zero's been unlucky for davenport obviously so well if he ain't gonna play might as well (laughs) give the jersey to somebody who does exactly i sort of think of him as a you know pace is a small linebacker with napoleon complex he he's out performing his size just that just like you said he would. Mm-hmm. Ju- yes, exactly. Now that brings us to theme three. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good thing. Nope. Hit that too early. Vikings versus Chargers at U.S. Bank Stadium at noon Central Time tomorrow. The time that Kirk Cousins happens to be superhuman. How is this game going to go? We're going... We're going to start off with the slides. Yes. Injury reports. Right there, we've got Marcus Davenport, who we just disparaged, already (laughs) out. Uh, Center Garrett Bradbury is questionable, has to make it through warm-up safely, and we'll see. Over on the Chargers side, we have Austin Eckler is out, which is a good thing. They're going Very with good. backup running backs. Eric Kendricks is out, which is sort of a shame. We'd like to have seen him. I mean, he'll be in the building, but we'd like to see him play. Joey Bosa, the oft-injured Bosa, is questionable. Don't know. And then you have Chris Rumpf and Christopher Hinton are all questioned, and Henley are questionable for them. When we get to... The simple stuff, quarterback versus quarterback. Right now, PFF has, and this is new this week. I've never seen this before. Kirk's power ranking is a 3.5. I've never seen a .5 on their scores before. Justin Herbert's is a 6.5. So they're favoring Kirk Cousins. When we get to the offense versus the defense... We have offense rank six, defense, uh, offense power ranking on PFF is six, defensive power ranking for PFF on the Chargers is 21st. Now, you're going to see some disagreements when we get further down this chart. FTN Fantasy now runs DVOA. You can explain that, Darren. What, <laughs> what happened to football outsiders? They were uh, financial mismanagement Mm. and not paying their writers. Ah. So they're now over. uh, Schatz is now over there, took DVOA with him. We now have those numbers. The Vikings are 14th on the offense, and that's a move up from last week. 10th in the pass and 30th in the run. There's where that run affects us. Now, when they look at the Chargers, they've got them ranked last in the league on defense. Last in the league on passing on defense. 
That's why I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a day. And 25th against the run. So maybe our running game gets a little fired up as well. And then you get Elias Sports, which is your standard NFL.com, ESPN, all those uh, box stat scores. And you can see here where we're eighth versus their 32nd, second in passing versus their 32nd, or 32nd in rushing uh, versus their 15th against the rush. And then we're 18th in points and their 30th in points. And then you have your sacks. We've given up four, and we've got a turnover. We've given up seven turnovers. We are in a, a – we'll get to the difference on the next slide, but it is what it is, and you can see those numbers there. Yes, Aaron, I think pass to open the run is probably a good strategy for this particular team in particular, but for the Vikings as a whole. And you can see the Vikings are favored by one, and the over-under is 54 points as of yesterday. I don't know if it moved at all. They expect a high-scoring game. We flip the script here, Vikings defense versus the Chargers offense. And they're not liking that number on the offense for PFF may be wrong. I don't think it's 32. I don't think they've got a higher one. That's Higher than that, I was, yeah, I was uh, shocked. Nice yeah. offensive ranking. No, that's got to be wrong. It's like third. It's yeah. they can produce points. Um, yeah, overall, DVOA, they've got the third overall offense, third and pass, fourth and run. So they've got decent offense. Obviously, their weak points are like us is the defense. They uh, were at twentieth. We went down a little bit. We're 12th against the pass, and part of that was last week when Flores, you know, his primary deal last week was to stop the pass, and he did, and it stopped the pass and cost us in the run game, and we're 27th there. Then you get your yards and passing and points, et cetera, and sacks and differential. You can't win your division if you start out minus six after two games in the differential department. That is absolutely crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and then lastly, special teams. DVOA has the Viking special teams. This is not just kicking. It's kicking, punting, uh, kickoff team, punt team, receiving teams, etc. Has us eighth overall, and they've got the Chargers 14th. So we win that one by the numbers. Those are your deep dive stats into tomorrow's game. Brought to you every week by David Stefano. <laughs> and now your opponent, Mr. Justin Herbert. Well, him and a lot. The um, last week we, after the Vikings lost on Thursday, and we kind of went into the the you know the the, the well known stats about zero and two and how that's not very good for for your uh, chances of making the playoffs. You make it uh, you start the season zero and two. Less than ten percent of the teams since nineteen seventy have made the playoffs. Well, 
as you can imagine, if you go on three to start the season, your chances are even <laughs> get yeah get squeezed even more. Uh, the only team that's uh, no team has started the season on three and made the playoff since 2018. The Houston Texans did it that year, um, and about three percent of teams make the playoffs. Just make the playoffs if you go zero and three. So Chargers, Vikings, both zero and two. Whoever loses the season, whoever loses the game tomorrow, they might as well start <laughs> draft, diving into draft, mock drafts. At, mm-hmm. Yeah, mock drafts. Start running all the scenarios, all the numbers. You might as well start looking at your salary cap, what you can do to shave um, to get as much as you can, so you, and look at your free agent needs because your season is probably done. Uh, like, hate to break it to everybody, and yeah, that maybe you're not optimistic, but the the history, the historical stats are pretty clear. Own three, you're not making the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in the case of the Chargers, they may be looking for a new coach if they start on three. Because he's yeah, on the heat. And I'm not surprising. You know, of course, the, the Chargers, this is a, a team like they should be coming in this game, like us, pretty pissed because they, they could very well be 2-0. and The first game... They they played the Dolphins and and they they had a four point lead with less than four minutes left in the game. They let the Dolphins go down, run to, go down the field, score a touchdown. They're down by two. Okay, no big deal. They still had a minute forty five left, two timeouts, and a chance to get a field goal to kick a field goal to win the game. So what happens? First play, yeah, ten yard pass to Gerald Everett, get a first down. Next three plays, intentional grounding on Hebert, Herbert. Um, Next second play, sack of her Herbert. Now it's second and twenty nine. <laughs> they they completed a seventeen yard pass. Now it's it's or you know I'll, I'll pass and now it's third and seventeen whatever. Herbert gets sacked again. Game over. <clears throat> and then against the Titans the next week, Thank they actually Titans last last against the Titans last week the Chargers they actually do get the last drive of the game they do manage to drive down the field kick a field goal to take it into overtime and to tie it and take it into overtime then they win the coin toss so they got the ball chance to get the you know to at least the kick a field away. goal mm-hmm. game away they go three and out and then they never get the ball back and the Titans kick a field goal to win the game so and this is a Chargers team that of course they had that big big humongous lead against the Jaguars in the wildcard game last year and lost it and lost the game. And this just seems like a team that's got some talent like the Vikings, but there's something missing with them under Brandon Staley. And like I said, Staley is under a lot of heat because he came in as the defensive guru, a lot of hope. And they, you know, they did make the playoffs last year, but you collapse in the wildcard game. And now you've got, now they've played four straight games where they've lost um, by less than one score. So they're kind of like the anti-Vikings in a way. Um, but I was really hoping they'd beat the Titans last week, because I hate playing a team that's 0-2 and looking for a win. Right, because <laughs> they're going to be desperate. Yeah, they're going to be desperate. I wanted us to be desperate and them to be maybe not as desperate. <laughs> but, not- um, but a big plus for the Vikings, you gave it, you showed it in the uh, the injuries. Austin Eckler is not playing tomorrow. And Austin Eckler is a hell of a football player. I think everybody can agree with that. Last year, mm-hmm. 985 yards, I think, uh, 107 catches. Um, and he had scored 18 touchdowns. That's a lot of touchdowns, Dave. And in that game, the first game against um, Miami, 
where the Chargers ran the ball like well over 200 yards. Eckler had 16 carries for well like for 116, 117 yards, scored a touchdown there. Last week without him, the Chargers really struggled to run the ball. And Eckler is just a huge part of this team uh, and their offense. And without him, it's a lesser offense. It's just got to be. And if you're Brian Flores, after you just got your asshole ripped by the Eagles in the run game last week, you got to be very, very happy that you're not facing Austin Eckler, dealing with him coming out of the backfield, dealing with him scooting. You know, he's only like mm-hmm. five, three, half. So he's, he's hard to see. Uh, <laughs> offensive line. He's very fast. He's very quick. He's an, like just an excellent player. And the Vikings not having to deal with him is a huge, huge plus for us. And a, and a, and and it's and again, Brian Flores. Maybe we're just weak as a run defense overall, but I'd rather test that out with Joshua Kelly uh, and Isaiah Spiller and the Bolden guy as the running backs than Austin Eckler. So Eckler not being in the game is a huge plus for the Vikings and it's going to benefit our defense quite a bit. Um, now the Chargers still got Herbert. He's a great quarterback, uh, mobile, got a bazooka for an arm, all those things can fit the ball into tight windows. He's played pretty well in the first two games. He's got Keenan Allen, who's a pro pro uh, over 30 years old, but still getting it done, can still catch eight to 10 passes every game in his sleep. Mike Williams is like a big 6'4", 220, 225 pound guy who is also really good when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be a problem for our smaller defensive backs to deal with. Uh, so they're going to pass the ball. They're going to get some of that stuff. But defensively... They're thinking the same thing. Yeah, but same defensively, point. and again... Um, big thing, and the Vikings weren't certainly weren't able to do it after the first quarter against Philly and in the second half against Tampa Bay. But I say it often is like you got to create some, you got to win on first down in the early downs, first and second downs. You got to create consistently some negative plays for the offense for the Chargers. You got or very minimal gains of one or two or three yards. Then you've got the ability on second and third down to do whatever you want to do, and particularly on the blitz and get creative that way. Herbert or any offense is looking at second and four or third and two or third and one, all like on and on and on. They're going to have a success and they're going to move the ball against us. And we cannot allow that to happen. Uh, and again, with the blitzing, um, Brian Flores, keep, keep on keeping on, keep bringing the heat. I want you to be, again, continue to dictate the the speed of the game you play the game on your terms you force the offense to adjust to what you're doing and get justin herbert every snap make it difficult for him make him see ghosts make him be worried about hey where you're coming from who's coming uh dictate the play be aggressive keep doing that and see what happens sure we're going to give up an unexplosive play or two uh I'm okay with that if we're creating negative plays and bad throws and sacking Herbert a few extra times. Let's get him causing turnovers, causing causing chaos, causing confusion at the line of scrimmage on the offense. If we can do that, then that's a big plus and and a big step to us keeping the Chargers offense, which is pretty good from scoring those 30 to 34 points that teams expect them to score tomorrow. Mm Mm-hmm. But again, a lot of it I think comes down to what do you do on first down? What do you do on second down, right? Like, are you giving up six or seven yards on first down like we were against the Eagles? No problem. Or are you, you know, 
winning that line of scrimmage. And Aaron says Chargers are not the Eagles. They are not. They are not the Eagles, and that's a plus two. But and it'll be interesting to see how Flores, um, like with the personnel that he uses, because against Eagles, he he looks like he's favoring the more lighter defenses, the three three five base uh, to stop the pass, which makes a lot of sense because our secondary is a bit inexperienced, and it was a big big problem last year. But maybe after the Philly game, the Chargers don't have the offensive line that Philly has, and with Eckler out not as much of a of a, a running threat you would think uh, compared to having to deal with the Eagles running tax who and it seems like they can put anybody in there and they're productive but um maybe he looks maybe Jacqueline Roy gets dressed tomorrow I hope so oh, I maybe, hope so maybe they look at giving him some snaps instead of Dean Lowry or Jonathan Bullard maybe Kyrie's Tonga plays a bit more and gives oh. Harrison Smith, uh, Harrison Smith Harrison Phillips a bit of a bit of a blow because Phillips is playing a lot a lot of snaps and I'm concerned that when the game keeps on going on that he's getting wore down um, he's doing well with he's doing well plugging up the middle a lot of times but if you're playing 50 60 snaps or you know 40 50 snaps a game and last year he wasn't playing quite that many uh, and he's a big guy um, I don't know if he can hold up for that amount of snaps and he's a not a true game. nose tackle he's not no. that big yeah so yeah I wonder too I wanted to address Justin Norsefius is correct both Kirk Cousins and Daniil Hunter have no trade clauses when Daniil's Hunter contract got reworked at the end of training camp they put that in there so both of them would have to waive their no trade clause which means they get to pick on a yay or nay if the Vikings ever wanted to trade them this season that's the what's the Chargers offense versus our defense look at things on the you know, flip it around the Vikings offense versus the Chargers defense um Really big, really important that Christian Derrissaw is going to be playing in this game, and I hope that his ankle doesn't bother him and that he can play the whole game and not have to go out. He was Friday, which is just a walk. Yeah, which is very encouraging, but it doesn't mean some doesn't mean he won't aggravate it during the game and then have to go out. Ankles, as you know, Dave, are very tricky. And, um, That's and for, important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for a big guy, a big lineman, it, it seems like the, they – it's very easy for them to re-injure those kind of lower extremity type injuries. So very important that he's in there because, uh, you know, we're facing Joey Bosa. He's a little bit nicked up. Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is not 27-year-old Khalil Mack anymore. He's 32 Khalil Mack, but he's still Khalil Mack, and he's still a guy you have to account for and not feeling good about uh, David Quisenberry on those guys compared to Christian Derrissaw on those guys. Uh, so Derrissaw coming back, I think, is a big plus for the pass protection for us as well as in the run game too. Um, and it's great to have him back. And again, hopefully he can play the whole game and not have any issues with the ankle. Uh, I still don't think that running, I don't think the running game is going to be I think we, we won't be as abysmal as we've been because the Chargers have had trouble stopping the run, as as the stats point out. Not as much as stopping the pass, however. <laughs> and um, I think with the, until our interior starts blocking better, we're just going to have to deal with a running attack. I think that is uh, below 
NFL standards um, and below the standard we'd like to see. But passing wise, the Chargers, JC cornerbacks, JC Jackson, Asante Samuel, and, the, and Davis, Mike Davis, they have not been able to slow down opposing offenses, passing attacks at all. Couldn't do it against Miami. Couldn't do it against the Titans, who don't exactly have, you know, they don't have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle that they're throwing out there. Uh, so uh, the Vikings. You know they've got they've got an advantage, big advantage here, and with Kirk Cousins playing really well, with Justin Jefferson doing what he's doing, with T.J. Hawkinson doing what he's doing, Jordan Addison getting him more involved, even K.J. Osborne. Like we should be able to, as long as Kirk can get a little bit of time. Jefferson, Hawkinson, these guys are receiving. They're going to feast. They should feast, and we're going to. And we're going to be throwing the ball a lot because that's what we're most successful at. That's just how it's going to work. And I'm okay with that. Um, and, and we have the advantage where we can exploit that and we have to exploit that. Um, what's going to, I think, again, though, if you can't hold on to the ball and you're giving up offensive possessions and giving the other team uh, a short field to work with their offense, uh, that's not going to work out very well for you. And it hasn't worked out very well for the Vikings in two games. But last week I said, you know, we've, we fumbled the ball seven times. Uh, again, one of those got, didn't end up uh, fumbled being six, a player. One the, interception. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we fumbled seven times, <clears throat> uh, okay. but one of them got called back because of a because yes, of the, Madison's uh, second one. Yeah, and we've lost all of them, <laughs> and the op- opposing team has fumbled twice in games, and they've recovered both. Which uh, is weird. It, it's very random. wise. That doesn't happen. No, it's it's very random. So one thing is, I don't the, the Vikings. Maybe this will be one of those weird years where the Vikings just turn the ball over a lot, no matter how much they focus on it or all that stuff. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think that it's, that starts to, that randomness starts turning in our favor tomorrow against the Chargers. We're not going to turn the ball over and fumble it like we have been. And even if we do, we might recover one or two of those. if that's the case, instead of the randomness, the rent, the fumble luck that has been going against us is not going to continue to be that way. And if that happens, and again, hard to control those sorts of things, Mm-hmm. But you know, Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips and everybody on the offensive side of the ball have been harping on this all week and doing things in practice to work on ball security even more than they normally do. And the players are going to be very aware of it. Hopefully it doesn't it doesn't allow them and it still allows them to play loose and free on the field and, and still do the things that they normally do. But I'm not expecting us to turn the ball over like we have. And if we can come out even on the turnover side of things in this game, then I think with the way we have been playing in other aspects of, of the, of the game on offense and defense, I think that we can, you know, this is a game that uh, we can win. And I think we are going to win it. Uh, I'm not hugely, hugely confident in that just because these teams are very, I think very evenly matched Um, there. I don't expect that either team is going to win by two score, multiple scores in this one. It's going to be close, but I think that the Vikings do pull this one out. Uh, And, uh, and, and that's very important because then next week you go to Carolina against the Carolina team that's not very good, and you can get a chance to go two and two and get your season back on track, as opposed to going zero and three and basically your season's over. Mm-hmm. Yep, very well. Could now that brings us to the end. But I wanted to bring up something. Do you know that you can join 
Vikings first and Skull, you can become a member. And we have three tiers starting out with, I think it's $299 or $399. It's lowest going up to all pro. We have two members already, and I want to thank Michael, who I saw today. I haven't seen Davey, which makes me wonder. Davey um, did make did a comment it? here. Yeah. Good. But both of Davey, Davey was first by about 30 seconds um, <laughs> signing up over Michael. But I want to appreciate both of them. They got at the highest tier, which will end up with a get-together online to talk to me and Tyler and Darren if he wishes to join in. And we're going to have a private discussion about your Minnesota Vikings. It's one of the benefits that's going to be put out. But I wanted to thank both of them from our hearts. We appreciate it very, very much. You guys rock. Thank you for your patronage. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> with that, we're at the end of the show. Any last words, everybody? Well, just the last words of um, really, 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 really open. The Vikings can hold on to the ball tomorrow. Um, <laughs> the, the, they've got other problems besides the turnovers, and I don't think that's the sole reason that they have been losing games, but it's a, it's a large reason. Uh, and uh, it sure would be helpful if we had zero turnovers tomorrow. Uh-huh. We'd really, really like to see that. Because if you on the other side of things, you know, like that other thing that always bugs uh, the, the crap out of fans is when your team gets a lot of needless penalties. We actually haven't been doing that in the first two games. Pretty penalty free. But, uh, there was uh, some in the first game. That first had... game, but I think it was only four or five in total. Yeah. Um, clean them up. Play clean better. them up. Play better. But but yeah, but the turnovers, wow. Uh, it's just like, seems every, every, and they're happening at the worst possible times <laughs> they could be well, happening. KOC too. said they bought everything off the internet. Yeah. That could help them with the fumbles. Mm-hmm. And of course, everybody's mind went to all sorts of stuff. I can, <laughs> see, I can see him running with a football that's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll find out. Justin posted here. He wants to remind everybody that he goes live tomorrow at 11 before the game for his quick pregame roundup with the latest information, who's in, who's out, all that sort of stuff. He'll be on there. Then live at the two-minute warning, Vikings first and skull goes live. We're the only one that goes live at the two-minute warning during the game, and we'll bring you home. We'll call the plays, do all that as we watch Vikings win or Vikings loss. Either way, we welcome you and invite you to join us tomorrow at the two-minute warning. And then Justin again later tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on his show. He and Rap will be going over their postgame. That's it. And then, of course, Monday we'll have Tyler for the Real Forno Show. I want to appreciate everybody Thank you for coming over and watching on this Saturday afternoon as I guess the Buffaloes are getting beat badly. And we'll see you soon. What do we say there, Darren? Thanks, Ray. We say Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. 
You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.